This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. doing okay. I'm Keith Williams. Welcome to Talk Show Presents. Um, on today's segment, we are actually covering uh, two major court cases that have made their way to the Supreme Court, uh, and they're both going to be heard this month, in the month of October. The first one we're going to go through is the Alabama Congressional case that's going to go before the Supreme Court on actually tomorrow in Washington, D.C., the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we're going to kind of give like a highlight of, of that real quick. So let's share my screen. I took some notes here. So this is some of the, the highlights. Um, group of Alabama voters and organizations sues Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill and the House and Senate Redistricting Chair Representative Chris Krinkle and Senator Jim McClendon. So they are the defendants. 
plaintiffs allege the congressional map enacted on June 4th, 2021 by Governor Kay Ivey unfairly distributed Black voters. The plaintiffs asked the lower court to evaluate or invalidate the in-act congressional map in order that a new map with instructions to include a second majority Black district. Um, the person's last name is uh, Mulligan, M-I-Milligan, uh, M-I-L-L-I-G-A-N. So it's Mulligan and several other voters across the state of Alabama had sued Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill along with the redistricting committee for the House and the Senate, Representative Chris Pringle and Senator Jim McClendon. All three of them are Republicans. Uh, furthermore, they're saying that this, uh, the question would be, does the Alabama 2021 Congressional District violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So that is the question that is coming before the Supreme Court on tomorrow, October the 4th. So it's roughly about 11 months that this has happened, not quite a year, it's close to a year that this has happened. Uh, Greer Birmingham Ministries is also one this lawsuit as a plaintiff. So they will be joining these uh, this group of Alabama voters. Um, to Washington, D.C., where the case will be heard. So there will also be a march and a rally as well in Washington, D.C. And we will be covering those activities on tomorrow and then we will have a summary report on October the 5th of this coming Wednesday. And so this case had made it all the way to the Supreme Court. So here's the timeline that we're dealing with here. So we'll start from the bottom to the top. On January 24, 2022, the Northern District of Alabama granted in part a motion for a preliminary injunction, temporarily preventing Secretary of State John Merrill from conducting congressional elections in, in November of 2022. Four days later, on the 28th of January, Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill filed an emergency application before the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, this has caused a delay in, in certifying candidates to uh, run for Congress in the state of Alabama. Um, so John Merrill had filed an emergency application um, seeking to have permission to, you know, go ahead and uh, conduct the elections for, for these congressional districts, which did take place in uh, 
which did take place on um, which did take place in um, on June twenty fourth of this year. So there was a primary election, and now there is uh, they're going to be part of the general election on November the eighth. On February 22nd of this year, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. And they will be hearing that case on October the 4th. The Australia Broadcast Section will be having continuous coverage of this from now until Wednesday, October the 5th. So let's kind of give a little background of what we're dealing with here. The U.S. Supreme Court stays an injunction against the Alabama congressional map, which was drawn on November 4, 2021. On February 7, 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court of the United States stayed a preliminary injunction that a three-judge federal district court panel at issue in joining Alabama from using the congressional redistricting plan that the state had enacted on November 4, 2021. Oh, in other words, uh, the, um, the map that they have drawn is no, um, is temporarily halted. So we're still using the congressional districts uh, from the previous census the 2000 census because this one has not been enacted because there's a, a plenary injunction blocking the, enact, the enactment of the new map, which was drawn on November 4, 2021. The Supreme Court statement that the congressional district boundaries adopted by the state will be used for the 2022 election. The court also granted a petition of writ a seratory in the case, meaning that the court accepted the case challenging the congressional district maps for either the 2021-2022 term or the 2022-2023 term. Um, so for now, the the map has been adopted temporarily until the case is being heard. Um, so that's why you have U.S. congressional candidates that was able to participate in the, in the midterm primary election because of this, uh, of the state, this preliminary injunction. The court's majority did not pose a full opinion on this case. Four of the nine justices wrote or joined in dissenting opinions, meaning the vote to stay the district court injunction was five to four. Justice Brett Kavanaugh wrote a concurring appearing on Brenton disdain, which was joined by Justice Samuel Alito, Chief Justice John Roberts, and Justice Elena Kagan issuing dissenting opinions with Kagan dissent joined by Justices Stephen Breyer and Sonia Sotomayor. Federal court panel blocked Alabama congressional redistricting plan. So they're still using 
Well, this time they're still using the uh, the old redistricting plan from the previous uh, census, the 2000 census. A three-judge panel, federal panel, issued a preliminary injunction on January 24. And join Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill from conducting the state's 2022 elections using the congressional judicial plan that the state adopted on November 4, 2021. The judges unanimously ruled that the plaintiff in the Bullock and Mulligan versus Milligan versus Merrill was essentially likely to establish, among other factors, that African Americans are, I'm just going to read exactly as they got it, that Black Alabamians are sufficiently numerous to constitute a voting age majority in a second congressional district, and Black voters have less opportunity than other Alabamians to elect candidates of their choice to Congress. Four sets of plaintiffs have filed lawsuits challenging Alabama's new congressional district for violating Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. The panel discussion pushed back the deadline for U.S. House candidates to qualify to run from the state's original deadline of January 28th. That was moved to February 11th. It also directed the state legislator to devise a congressional redistricting plan that includes either an additional majority Black congressional district or an additional district in which Black voters otherwise have an opportunity to elect a representative of their choice. The, three, the panel's three judges was Justice Stanley Marcus, Senior Justice Stanley Marcus, rather, of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, and District Court Justices Anna Manicuso and Terry Moore. Marcus was first appointed to the Federal District Court Judgeship by President Ronald Reagan in 1985 and to the 11th Circuit by President Bill Clinton in 1997. Manicuso and Moore were appointed as federal judges by President Donald Trump in 2020 and 2018, respectively. In an email to media outlets on January 24, 2022, a spokesperson for Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall wrote, the Attorney General's office strongly disagree with the court's decision and will be appealing in the coming day. Now we got several uh, cases here to talk about. Uh, the first one is Milligan versus Mirror. Mayor Rather. November 15, 2021, Evan Milligan and four other voters, Greater Birmingham Ministries and the Alabama NAACP, filed a lawsuit against Secretary of State John Merrill and the House and Senate Redistricting Chairman, Representative Chris Pringle and Senator John McClendon. Plaintiffs filed their lawsuit in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Alabama, challenging the congressional map enacted on November 4, 2021 by Governor K.I. 
This was voted on by the state legislator and it was signed into law by Governor Kay Ivey on that date, November 4, 2021. Plaintiffs allege that the congressional map violated this section two of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, saying the map packed Black voters into the seventh congressional district and cracked Black voters among three other districts. As relief, plaintiffs asked the court to evaluate and validate the enacted congressional map and ordered a new map with restrictions to include a second majority Black district. Okay, so you can view the case. You can view the case by going to this link right here. Um, um, so this is the link that you can. So this is the link. This is the link that you can go to. Let me see if I can highlight it for you. Okay, so this is the link that you can go to. to uh, get more information about the Milligan Merrill case. Okay, there's also another case called uh, Castor versus Merrill. On November 4th, 2021, Marcus Castor and several other Alabamian voters filed a lawsuit against Secretary of State John Merrill in the United States District Court for the middle district of Alabama, challenging congressional map and acting on November 4, 2021 by Governor Kay Ivey. In their complaint, plaintiffs allege that the enacted congressional map violated section two of the Voter Rights Act of 1965 because it strategically cracked and packed Alabama's black communities, diluting black voting strength and confining black voting power to one majority Black district. As relief, plaintiffs asked the court to invalidate the enacted congressional map and order a new map with restrictions to include a second majority Black district. The, following, the filing of the plaintiff's complaint, the case was transferred to the United States Supreme Court for the Northern District of Alabama. So now you have Casker and Merrill then Mulligan and Merrill. They're both, both of those cases um, were in United States District Court of North Alabama. And for more information about that, here is, so this is the link right here. You can go to and see if I can highlight it again. Okay, so that's the link that you can go to to hear more about that case. Okay, so this right here, if you want to know more about the Voting Rights Act of 1965, there you go. Voting Rights Act of 1965 is a federal law that prohibits racial discrimination and voting. The act was passed in 1965 with the intent of enforcing the 15th Amendment of the United States Constitution. The act contains provisions that prohibit state and local governments from passing voting laws that result in discrimination against a racial group, such as enacting literacy tests and other devices that have historically been used to disenfranchise 
racial minority. So the question that will be presented is that the petitioners presented the following question to the court, where the state of Alabama's 2021 redistricting plan for its seven seats in the United States House of Representatives violated section two of the Voting Rights Act. So that is the question that's being presented to the court. And by the way, the Mulligan Murrow case and the Casco Murrow case has been uh, combined into one. And so you basically have roughly 13 people and several organizations that are a part of this combined lawsuit. And that is the case that's going to be um, go before the U.S. Supreme Court. Now we will turn our attention to another case. Um, at this time, we. At this time, there is no um, there is no hearing on this case as of yet. Um, there has been talks that this case will also go before the Supreme Court this month, but um, there has been there's no confirmation of that's to happen. But to kind of give a perspective of this, um, this is another. Um, voter suppression issue that's going on in the state of North Carolina. In February of this year, 2022, the North Carolina Supreme Court issued a historic ruling that part partisan gerrymandering violates the North Carolina Constitution and ordered new maps to be drawn. North Carolina lawmakers have appealed the ruling to the U.S. Supreme Court putting forward a dangerous theory known as independent state legislator doctrine or ISLD, which argued that state legislators have unconditional power to legislate on election issues and cannot be reviewed by any established check and balances like a governor's veto or a state court's rule. If this fringe theory which have been rejected repeatedly in the U.S. Supreme Court is accepted by the current U.S. Supreme Court, state legislators could have unchecked power to control elections in the state. That is just absolutely terrible. So how did this come about? So that means that they could end, so that, that means that they in, can impact, they could create laws and enforce laws that will have serious repercussions on the election process, not to mention disenfranchised um, minority racial groups. So how did this happen? So the case that was presented is called Moore versus Harper. In September 2019, North Carolina residents challenged the state's 2016 congressional redistricting map in state court 
as an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander. A map drawing to unfairly favor one political party over another. Under the North Carolina Constitution and the U.S. Constitution, the Supreme Court in Wake County, North Carolina, agreed with the resident and ordered a new congressional map ahead of the 2020 congressional election. On November 15, 2019, the New North Carolina General Assembly passed a new congressional redistricting plan to be used in the 2020 election. In November 2021, plaintiffs challenged the congressional map passed in 2020 as unconstitutional partisan gerrymandering, stating that it violated the state's constitution. The case was joined with another uh, challenge to the congressional and state legislative maps. In February 2022, the North Carolina Supreme Court struck down the congressional and legislator map. So both of them was rejected. Both of them was rejected. By the North Carolina Supreme Court. And they ruled it as unconstitutional partisan gerrymandering under the state's free election clause equal protection clause, and freedom of speech and assembly clause. The court ordered the General Assembly to pass remedial maps by February 18, 2022, and send them to the Superior Court for approval. The Superior Court accepted the state legislative map, but rejected the congressional map, adopting an in, in, in interim congressional plan drawn by a court-appointed special master for the 2022 congressional election. The U.S. Supreme Court denied the defendant's motion for a stay on the Superior Court's decision, but ultimately accepted the defendant's writ of seratory, agreeing to hear the case during the October 2023 term. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to consider whether a state judicial branch may rule on laws and regulations passed by a state government, the matter of holding elections for senators and representatives and replace them with a regulations of, of the state's court's own demise. This is a legal theory known as independent states doctrine, which suggests that only the state legislators have the power to regulate federal elections without interference from state court. The case will be heard during the fall winter of 2022, and a decision is expected to be made in the summer of 2023. Now, what is the independent state legislative doctrine? What is it? Independent States Legislative uh, Doctrine, or ISDL, comes from an extreme narrow reading or misinterpretation of Article 1, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, which states that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives 
shall be prescribed in each state by the legislative thereof. Proponents of ISLG suggest this provision means that only the state legislature, the body itself, can set election rules, and the executive and judicial branches in the state have no say in the process. The U.S. Supreme Court has consistently rejected the ISLD. For example, uh, there's a, in the Davis Hildebrandt case of 1916, the court upheld a section of the Ohio Constitution that allowed the people of Ohio to vote state election laws through a referendum. The court explained that the word legislator in Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution refers not only to state legislators, but also more broadly to any entity with legislative power, including the people. After all, the ultimate power to legislate comes from the people, and the people should be in control of the representatives, not the other way around. So in other words, if for example, the state of Alabama wanted to hold a referendum in a state limiting the number of terms that state and federal officials can have at any given time. That falls under Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. The court most recently rejected ISLD or independent state legislative doctrine in the Arizona legislate, state legislative versus Arizona Independent Redistributing Commission in 2015. There, the court upheld Arizona's use of a bipartisan redistricting commission, noting that redistricting is a legislative function to be performed in accordance with the state's prescription for lawmaking which may include the referendum and the governor's veto. So in other words, if, for example, the state legislator in Arizona passed uh, such bills, then that bill must come to a referendum, a vote of the people, which means they have to have an election to decide where the people want to accept this or not. So that was that rule consists of. So what is the significance of the Moore versus Harper case? And how does independent state legislative doctrine impact democracy? In that case, Moore versus Harper, North Carolina legislators argued that the state Supreme Court had no authority to strike down gerrymandering maps because only the state legislator has the power to control federal elections. As noted above, but this theory is not new. State legislators around the country are asking federal courts to decide that lawmakers have unchecked powers over federal elections in their state. If the U.S. Supreme Court agrees with North Carolina legislators, state lawmakers essentially will have free reign to legislate around elections, including manipulating voting districts at all levels and legislatures across the ballot. Not to mention that it's going to really disenfranchise black and brown and other minority uh, racial groups. 
in other words, uh, elections would be in favor of one particular group, one particular party. And they disguise this under secure elections. There is nothing secure about what they're doing. There's definitely nothing democratic about what they're doing. On top of that, it would also undermine well-established and critical checks on legislative overreach, including the power of a government's veto and citizen-led efforts like ballot measures and in initiatives. Secretary of State would be restrained in their ability to develop regulations interpreting state election law. So in other words, there really no, if the legislature is going to be in control over elections, why would you have a Secretary of State? A ruling in favor. That's a that's a huge concern. That's a real big concern right there. A ruling in favor of North Carolina lawmakers would also invalidate any state constitutional provision. that governs federal election. Furthermore, depending on the scope of the ruling in, that endorses ISLD, prior state court rulings, vetoes, and direct de democracy efforts that prevent protected voters and process access to the ballot could be overturned too. Democracy, as we know it in the United States, would cease to exist. So this is very serious. So if you are in North Carolina, you really need to pay attention to the people that are running for, uh, for your state and federal offices in, in North Carolina, because this is certainly an issue that's going to be on the, ba on the ballot in that state in November. It's definitely going to be an issue in the election in November in North Carolina. So what happens if the US Supreme Court adopts independent state legislative doctrine? What happens? First of all, it's gonna be a, di a direct threat to our democratic values institution. They will reinstate congressional map that the North Carolina Supreme Court struck down as an extreme partisan gerrymandering and those illegal maps will be used for future elections in the state. Because the ruling will also have national reach, state legislators around the country could use district maps that have been struck down by a state court or be told by the government. State legislators also could also call into question maps that were drawn by an independent redistricting commission. And certainly there would be no need for a secretary of state because in states, the secretary of state is responsible for enforcing all state and federal election laws. If ISDL was adopted, there's no need for that particular office. For the foreseen future, a state legislator could gerrymander freely to protect the party in power and no court, not even a federal court, could stop it. 
2019, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that federal courts cannot hear challenges to district map engineer to protect one political party and direct litigants to state courts for relief. A ruling in favor of the North Carolina legislator in Moore versus Harper could eliminate all past judicial relief for people who are harmed by partisan gerrymandering. Politicians would be in total control of who votes for them and how. In other words, we will have an authoritative election system, not a democratic election system. And, it will and elections and democracy as we know it would cease to exist. And America as we know it would become, would no longer be a democracy, but would be uh, an authoritarian nation. The people of the United States have made it clear we do not want our politicians choosing their constituencies. Nearly two-thirds of America support removing state legislators from the redistricting process and handing that power to independent commission to prevent partisan gerrymandering. But as seen this past redistricting cycle, state lawmakers are determined to hold on to power, particularly in the South and states with growing communities of color who are disproportionately threatened by illegal gerrymandering. And without the protection of Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, there are far fewer avenues to protect fair marriage. In addition to unchecked powers to redistrict, avenues to challenge harmful, burdensome, and discriminatory state voting laws with the window. States could legislate all aspects of election, and voters would have little recourse. This would have a devastating effect on votes for those seeking to defend and protect the right to vote, which could also be dismantled as well. We pretty much would go back before the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was enacted. We will continue to pay taxes in, in our states and in the nation with no say-so who gets to represent them. In other words, we'll be dealing with taxation without representation. There are many organizations such as League of Women Voters, NAACP, there's a lot of organizations that you really need to join forces, you know, with them to support fair, fair elections and fair districting in your local community. According to the Brennan Center for Justice, since the 2020 general election, 39 states have proposed at least 393 laws that would harm the political participation of residents, including at least 148 laws in 27 states that would allow for partisan interference with the election process. Should the ISLD become law, anti-voter laws enacted by state legislators would not face scrutiny from the state's government, the state highest court, or a people's referendum. The only recourse would be filing litigation in federal court, which is expensive, time-consuming, and in many states, increasingly unfriendly to voters. So this is what y'all want. Y'all want to go back 
100 years, 150 years. If people like me are not able to vote, we're not, we don't have a say so in who our representative is going to be. Number one, why should we participate in the political process? Why we should support people that are not going to support us? And why should we engage in taxation without representation? You're taxing me, but you're not representing me. So what's the point of me supporting a government that does not support me? That's just my commentary. So where do we go from here? We will await the hearing in Moore versus Harper sometime this fall and a decision next spring or summer. We will be keeping you informed of when that hearing is going to be. And we will be watching this case closely, especially those who live in North Carolina. We saw how powerful residents were during the 2021 redistricting cycle, demanding a transparent process and fairer map. Communities must continue to use a collective power to ensure that those who represent us in government truly represent the interests of the constituents, not solely their own. If the independent state's legislator doctrine is, adopt is adopted, the power of the people to direct and reform our society would be more important than ever. As a matter of fact, America as we know it would no longer be a democracy. America would become a dictatorship. I hope that you understand the seriousness of this issue and that you will join forces with grassroots organizations that are already on the ground working to prevent this illegal, unethical, and immoral practice of independent states' legislative doctrine. Illegal gerrymandering and undermining our system of elections and democracy in general. But far too often, we are hit with a whole lot of distraction. And right out of, and this could happen right out of our nose, but we're too busy dealing with the distractions. Our democracy is at stake. And if we sit by and let these distractions overtake us, America would no longer be a democracy. We would be a dictatorship where we were long for freedom. It would no longer exist. Be sure to tune with us on tomorrow as we will have continuing coverage of both the Harper, Moore versus Harper case and also the Milligan Merrill case. As both of these cases will be going before the Supreme Court, the, the second case, Milligan versus Bureau, will be 
occurred before the U.S. Supreme Court on tomorrow. Be sure to tune in to OBS for continuing coverage on tomorrow, October the 4th, and then a wrap-up and summary on the 5th, October the 5th. I hope that you will join us um, for this very special coverage. Um, the point that we save democracy in America is more important now than ever before. And I hope that you will not take that lightly. Thank you so much for tuning in and please tune in tomorrow. Uh, we will go live uh, on Facebook and hopefully on YouTube, we'll go live. So you not miss out on what's going on. Uh, again, our democracy is state. Will you join us to defend democracy? If not, America as we know it will become a dictatorship. I'm Keith Williams, your host for Talk Show Presents. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you tomorrow. expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. 
Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is a presentation of OBS News, which is responsible for the guests and comments. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.